Over the past few weeks, I've been teaching, preaching on offense because it's one of the things that Jesus himself warns about in Matthew chapter 24 when the disciples ask him what things are going to be to come. And like I said, I'll share with y'all Sunday morning the revelation that Jesus gave to me out of Matthew 24 just last week was if we go there and start reading in Matthew 24 verse 4, John probably don't have this one because I didn't tell him this one, but Matthew 24 verse 4 says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to, be, to, up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. In verse 10. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. So out of all that, the Lord gave me the revelation. I mean, y'all might have day it. I've read it a thousand times, and you might have already knew it, but we can't control anything in that passage but two things. That's deception and offense. We can't control the wars and rumors of wars. We can't control kingdoms rising against kingdoms. We can't control the famines, the pestilence, the earthquakes. We can't control any of them things. All those things are in God's hand because he is the controller and creator of this earth. The only thing that we can control in this passage in the last days is being deceived and taking offense. So if Jesus speaks about it, I think it's really important that us as the body of Christ really take this in because, like I said, there's deception on every corner. There's deception on every, um, on every, in every hand, there's deception. There's lies. There's lies is a, de a device of deception. And there's offense on every corner. There's offense on every hand. So if Jesus tells us, listen, this is the way it's going to be in the last days and this is what you need to watch out for, then I think we need to watch out for it and be aware to it. Because the Bible says my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. So if he gives us the knowledge, it's us to be aware and not to take the, be deceived or take the offense that's going to come our way because offense will knock at your door. Every day, offense knocks at your door. Every time you have a conversation with somebody, I guarantee you, offense can knock at your door. And you can take it offended or you can take it not offended. Every day you can be deceived. Because I don't, let's, let's face it, everything that's going on in the world over in, in, in Ukraine and Russia, Russia's news media are pushing one thing to them, and then the rest of the world's pushing another thing. Really, I don't, I mean... Honestly, there's so many lies 
that you really don't know what to believe. We really don't know how it's all unfolding because we're taking the, the news of somebody else of what they're putting in our, our front of our faces and what we're seeing, and the media can push anything they want to push. So we have to be in prayer that we don't be deceived. You can't take Facebook for what it's worth. You can't take Instagram, Snapchat. You can't take any of those things YouTube, any of those things for what it's worth. The where you have to be to not be deceived is in the Word of God. That's where you have to be. So that's the only thing that we can control is deception and offense. Most would agree that we are in a season of His return. I mean, most of us, if I went around, and, and I know for hundreds of years, they've been saying the Lord can come anytime. Well, it's the truth. He can come anytime. And we're still living in that season that we could see his return at any time. Jesus said we would know the seasons by the signs of the seasons. We, he gave us these things. He said you can look at these things and tell when the end is near. All you have to do is look around. So I believe we can confidently say that we are in a time period Jesus describes in Matthew 24. I believe we are there. One of these signs of his pending return, it says, Many will be offended in verse 10. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. What strong words. Because we get offended, it leads to betrayal. And then betrayal leads to hate. All off of one offense because the offense manifests and it takes root in you that we get angry and we get bitter and then we betray it and then after that we just absolutely hate. So who are these people that he is talking about that are being offended in these last days? Are they the Christians or are they just regular society in general? Well, we can find the answer in the next phrase if we keep on answer, keep on reading. He says, many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will arise, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. That word love right there, there's two words in the Bible, most of y'all probably know this, that love translates most of the time. It's either agape love, which is love from the Father, only that he can give. And then there's phileo in the Greek, love. That's love between friends. Well, in this setting where Jesus is telling this, that, that lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold, that love that he uses is for the word agape. Before we understand it, let's understand the other word, the phileo word that is used. The definition of that is a love that is found among friends. It's an affectionate love that is conditional. And that's the kind of love most of us live in day-to-day -day is that kind of love, a love that is conditional. The phileo love says, you scratch my back, and I'll scratch yours. It says, you treat me kindly, and I'll do the same to you. That kind of love expects things in return, is what it does. And that's the kind of love we love with, out of a fleshly standpoint, is most of the time we love to get something in return in the flesh. Well, agape love is not like that. Agape love that he uses here in the scripture, scripture is love God sheds abroad in the hearts of his children. It's a love that can only come from him. It's the same love that Jesus gives freely to us because it is unconditional. It does not expect anything in return. It's the love that even when you give it and you're rejected by it, it still loves. 
It's the love that even when you're betrayed by somebody that you love, it still loves. Well, phileo love does not love like that. Once you've been offended or rejected by somebody, it says, I don't love you anymore. Agape love says, I love unconditional. And that's the only kind of love that comes from the Father that he gives to his children. It's the same kind of love that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's the agape love that only he can give. Even in his last hours where he needed his disciples so much, we had Judas kiss him and betray him. You had Peter deny him, and then you had all the other disciples scatter abroad and left him. But he still looked down from the cross and said, Father, forgive them, even though everything that i done over the last three years with, with these 12 disciples, I fed them, I taught them, I took them in. Even when we're out in the middle of a place and there's no food, I showed them who I was, and I've and I done this all because I love them, and now they're all gone. But he still looks down from a cross and says, forgive them. That's what agape love does. It holds no hatred. It holds no bitterness. It holds no, nothing like that. So that kind of a love can only come to you from the Father. That's it. So then if we look at that and in, in this scripture, so who is he talking about that many will be offended? If we go off just that one word, for the love of many will grow cold then it's the Christians because that love is agape. He's saying the people that are agape love of the Father from the Father that only he can give, that's the ones that will grow cold. So the offended people that he's talking about is the Christian people. They're the ones that's going to turn and, and betray one another and hate one another and lawlessness is going to abound and the love of many shall wax grow cold. That word cold there in the Greek also means, it means a, the breath, a breath, but it means a breath to cool something down. Like, like when you get something out of the microwave or something like that and you're going to feed a baby and you, and you sit there and gently blow it to cool it down. That's what that means. So he's saying the love of the church, the agape love that they had at one time will slowly draw cold draw colder and colder and colder so we as Christians if Jesus is telling us this is what you need to watch out for is not to be offended and you got to continue to love then I think we need to take his words to heart and really search ourselves and see what kind of love we have for one another what kind of love we are showing and what kind of love we are displaying in this world without God we can only love with a selfish love it's true Without God, we can only love with a selfish love. Agape love, like I said, requires, regardless of the response, it loves. Agape is the love Jesus looked out from the cross and said that. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. You have to, and in that love... How do you keep from, in that love, how do you keep from being offended? Well, I'm glad you asked. You have to develop faith in love. The faith and love of God. Okay, the Bible says, you know, he says it, can't remember, but faith, hope, and love, these three things. But he said the greatest out of them is love. Now, when I, when I really looked at that and said, God, 
you would think that if I'm believing and I'm having to believe in Jesus, that he would say, listen, faith is the greatest out of all three of these things. You got to have faith to believe that I uh, I was born of the virgin. You got to have faith to believe that I went to a cross and died for you. You got to have faith to believe that I rose from a tomb because we've never seen that. But he didn't say faith was the greatest. He said love. Love is the greatest. Because what he's saying is if you love like the Father loves with agape love, then you'll have faith in your love. You'll have faith that love will get you through. You'll have faith that, Lord, I love you. What Jesus said, this new commandment I give to you, that you love me, your Father, with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then you love your neighbor. Well, if that's the greatest commandment, if we love Father like we're supposed to, then we're going to love people like we're supposed to. And then we can have faith that when we love somebody, even if we don't get the response we're wanting to get, then we got to have faith that that love is unconditional and still reaches them. We got to have faith in our love. It's what we got to have in the love of God and the love of Christ. Because if we don't have that faith in our love, then really it's a selfish love because we're loving for something in return and not for what love can do to that person. The Bible says, Who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. In Galatians 6 and 8 through 9, if we don't lose heart. So we've got to, whatever we sow into, if we sow into the flesh, we'll reap corruption. If we sow into the Spirit, we'll reap everlasting life. But we can't grow weary in doing that. We can't go grow cold like he said here, the love of many will grow cold. We cannot grow cold in doing this and weary while doing this. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose our heart, our heart to love, our heart to see, our heart of compassion, our heart to not expect anything in return. Jesus' greatest hour of need, like I said, his closest friends deserted him. But he, and he only, and he looked from the cross and he said, still, Father, forgive them. The ones who beat him that night, the ones who crucified him, the ones who spit upon him, the one who said, mocked him and said, come down from that cross if that's who you are. Those are the people he looked at with agape love. He said, Father, forgive them. Now, I want to know who in here could, could sit here and let somebody spit on you and beat you and mock you and say, look at them in the face and really mean it and say, I love you. Only that love only comes from the Father. That's it. That's it. And that's the kind of love he is talking about, he uses in this word. For the love of many will grow cold. Now, we under, now you understand that he's talking to the Christians. Because only love from the Father could display that type of love. Only a Christian can have that type of love. He said, I said to you, I said to love your enemies... Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? What do you do more than others? 
Do not even the tax collectors do so also in Matthew 4, 5, 44 through 47. So he's telling them, you know, it's easy. And y'all have heard me say this over the last couple of weeks. It's easy to love when you get love in return. Because that is the, the phileo love. But it's not easy to agape love your enemies, to bless the ones who curse you, to do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's hard. That's hard to do. And I can tell you as your pastor, that's hard for me to do sometimes. I'm just as I live in the same flesh that you live in. I walk and talk the same way you walk and talk. I put my pants on the same way you put your pants on. So guess what? I can battle that too. I shared it in our leaders department last week that somebody had had a birthday and I pray for this person. I pray, Lord, use them, bless them, go with them. But I couldn't wish them no happy birthday. It's like, Lord, I prick my heart. I said, well, you're still holding on to something there. You need to really look past that and forgive them. Because, you know, my prayers, unless it's a prayer of, of Lord forgiveness, then it's really not doing them no good or doing myself any good, should I say. So we have to be able to do that. We take offense. And what happens when we take offense here is Proverbs 18 and 19 says, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. So if, if a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, what makes a city strong? Walls. Walls is what makes a city strong, is how strong and fortified its walls is. So what that is telling me is that a person offended puts up some strong walls. And the only place to enter into those walls is through the entrance. That's the only place you're going to come. Well, back in the Old Testament with the, the walls that were around the city, and when they come to the entrance, they didn't just let anybody in, believe it or not. They would check you before you come into the city and ask. They would say if you, if you owed any taxes, then you couldn't enter into the city till you paid the taxes. If you were... Um, had leprosy, guess what? You were outside the city. You're not coming in. Anything unhealthy that they viewed as unhealthy to the city, you wasn't allowed to come in. If you were a threat of any way or they seen you or viewed you as a threat, guess what? You wasn't allowed to come into the city. That's what offense does. It builds walls, and if you feel somebody owes you something, you don't let them in. If you feel threatened by them in any way, you don't let them in. If, if you feel that they can hurt you in any way, you don't let them in. If you feel, like I say, they owe you something, then you're not going to let them in until you feel that they have paid that debt that they owed you because of the offense. That's what offense does. It builds walls, and then you guard the entrance to your heart to not let anybody in until you feel safe to do so. So one, one wall, and I talked about stones a couple of weeks ago. How did they build walls? One stone at a time. So one offense at the time, one stone at the time, before you know it, you have a wall all around your life, and you're viewing it as your protection, but really it's your prison. Really you have locked yourself in, and you're saying, I'm protected, but really you're dying inside because you're sitting there in your walls, and there you hold offense, you hold bitterness, you hold hatred in your heart over time. It just grows more and more wicked. 
We construct walls, like I said, and safeguards of our hearts to prevent any future wounds. Everybody knows when somebody is really hurt, then it's a, it's a while before they want to open their heart back up to anybody because they're protecting from any future wounds, especially if it's somebody close to you. The greatest offense comes to the people that are closest to you. The greatest hurts come from the people that are closest to you. We become selective. When we have these walls, we become selective. Denying entry to all we fear will hurt us. We filter out anyone who thinks we think owes us something. We withhold access until these people have paid their debts in full. We open our lives only to those we believe are on our side. Listen to this. You know the old, the old saying, misery loves company. Well, that's what offense is. is you're in misery and you want company. So we only let people in that we believe are on our side. Yet often these people who are on our side are offended as well. So instead of helping, we stack additional stones on our existing walls without our knowing when it happens. These walls of protection, like I said, becomes a prison. Most people who are offended look, some, look for somebody that will be offended with them. And then slowly, y'all, you build, we build, whoever build the things together. And you, I've been there. Hey, I'm not so, not to think that I haven't been there and been offended and took offense to something and then go to somebody and ask them, hey, what, what do you think about that? Well, if they agree with me, guess what? Boy, we are too happy, low, go lucky, and we're going to talk at once in. We're going to gossip to one another. We're going to run our mouths to one another. But if they don't agree with me, then, oh, okay, and you're going to go on about your business. Hey, man, hey, uh, I reckon I'm, I'm just talking to myself. That's the way offense works. I'm looking for somebody to help me to build my wall around me. That's what offense does, and that wall becomes a prison instead of a safe place for you to be. Love does not seek its own, but hurt people become more and more self-seeking and self contained in this climate in this climate the love of God waxes cold a natural example of this is the Sea of Galilee we know the Sea of Galilee over in Israel is one of the most life abundant seas there is it has a great life in it great sea life it's abundant in all its areas well out of the Sea of Galilee comes the Jordan River it flows from the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River flows down into the Dead Sea, which the Dead Sea is known just for its words because it is a Dead Sea. There's nothing that can live in it. There's nothing because there's no outlet. The Dead Sea only receives and it never gives. That's phileo love. It only wants to receive and never wants to give love. Where the Sea of Galilee, which is flourishing, has an inlet, inlet and an outlet so it can flourish because there's constant things flowing through it. There's nutrients. There's things that it needs. But the Dead Sea, here comes the Jordan River, which is doing fine, and it hits the Dead Sea. And because there's no outlet in it, then it becomes stagnant. It becomes dormant. It com becomes complacent. And it, it, it cannot, nothing can survive in it. That's what offense does. Offense only wants stuff to flow in. And don't want to never give back out. It won't, and what it wants to flow in is people who agree with me. 
and that's death that's somebody who is in agreement with you in offense is death to you and them both because you're only looking for something to fulfill something going in because you're never going to return what is coming out so the Dead Sea is a perfect example if you do not have an outlet if you're not receiving and giving in love then you are offended so an offended Christian is not one who takes in life but of because of fear cannot release offended Christian is one who takes in life but because of fear cannot release life as a result even the life that does not come in becomes stagnant within the wall or the prison of offense the New Testament actually speaks on these things these walls and it calls them strongholds in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And you know that. We, I've, you've heard me say it. We don't war against flesh and blood. We don't war against people because that's not who it is. But, we're, but, the, but God, we warfare is not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of a stronghold which are walls in people's lives and most of these walls are offense because it goes on it says casting down arguments well how does offense usually come through you talking and not agreeing with somebody and the argument happens and then you leave offended because of the arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God why do you become offended because you're not taking the knowledge of God that he's trying to tell you that you cannot hold on to offense. You cannot do it. He tells us in his word we have to love the agape love of Christ in every way. We have to give and receive. We cannot hold on to offense in our lives. These strongholds create set patterns of reasoning through which all incoming information is processed. Although we were originally um, using it for protection, they become a source of torment. And distortion because the war against the knowledge of knowing the knowing the knowledge of God you know you can take a person who's offended and they can go to Scripture and back themselves through Scripture twist it to make it say what they want it to say you know why they can do that because they're not filtering the Scripture through the love of Christ the love is gone and so they look and they can take a Scripture twist it because they're offended to, to say this is why I can be this way because this scripture says this well if he took that scripture and looked at it through love then he would see you're wrong everything has to be filtered through the eyes of God and his love for what he has for your life this creates an atmosphere of which we can be deceived because without knowledge because, because knowledge without the love of God will lead to Let's, I want you to listen to this. Knowledge without the love of God will lead to deception. What's he say? Be not deceived. The two things he warned us about, deception and offense. So knowledge without the love of God will lead to you being deceived. You're right in your actions because you've taken out the love part, which is the greatest thing he says. Do, this is the greatest commandment love this is what you do hang all these things on this you love so when you filter out the love then you will be deceived 
Jesus warns of false prophets immediately after he says this in the scripture. His statements of many being offended. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Who are the many that they will deceive? The answer, the offended, whose love has grown cold. See if I can break, just make you understand that a little bit. He said, many false prophets will arise. And what it's basically saying is because the love has grown cold that people basically turn the word in to a, they turn the word into another church. That's how you get church splits because somebody's offended. And so they take that. And they turn it into what they want or they, they take it into how they want to perceive the scripture and they take it and turn it. Because why? Because the love of God is not in that. It's just their flesh wanting that. So why is there so many false prophets? Because the Bible warns of it. We have itching ears. We want it to tell us what we want to hear without filtering it through the love of Christ and what he is saying in his word. So we run, and you can see it in this generation, we run to these places because we have itching ears. And that's how many people are deceived is through that. Jesus calls them, calls the prophets in Matthew 7, 15, he calls them sheep's wolves and sheep's clothing. Clothing is what he calls them. They look, they infiltrate the church, they look like the church, but they are deceived because they do not go through, their eyes don't go through the love of Christ. If Paul were here today, and, I, and I'm closing, I don't know if Devin's still in here, if he's not, that's fine. If Paul were alive today, he would probably grieve. But he probably also wouldn't be astonished or caught off guard at what's happening, but it, he would be grieved because there's so many thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are being deceived and are living in offense because they cannot love right. He would see multitudes of men and women attending count meetings, seminars, and church services, missing a knowledge of the scripture. He would watch them hunt for new revelation in order to live more selfish and successful lives. He'd see ministers taking one another to court for righteous causes. He would see Christian publications and radio broadcasts attacking men and women of God by name. He would see charismatics running from church to church to escape offense. All of them professing the lordship of Jesus while they cannot forgive. Paul would cry out to this generation and say, Repent and be free from your deception, you self-seeking generation of hypocrites. Because the Bible says, in the last days also men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of themselves. So how can we love others if all we love is ourselves? We can't. We cannot do that in us. It's that love only comes from the Father. Matthew 24 and 10, like it says, says, Many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Offense leads to betrayal, and betrayal leads to hatred. Betrayal then leads to hatred with serious consequences. The Bible states clearly that anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, 
and that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So that hatred turns to murder because that's what Jesus said. If you hate him, he's just as like a murderer. He also says if you hate your brother and say you love God, you're a liar. And we also know what he says about liars. They'll have their part in the lake of fire. It all hinges on love. Christians are trying to protect their rights, making sure they're not mistreated or taken advantage of by other Christians. Have we forgotten the exhortation of the new covenants that we should love one another? So why do we live by these laws of love? Why are we so quick to betray rather than lay down our lives for one another even at the risk of being cheated? The reason our love is cold, which results in our, our still seeking to protect ourselves. We no longer confidently commit our care to God when we are trying to care for ourselves. When Jesus was wronged, he did not wrong in return, but committed his soul to God, who would judge righteously. We are admonished to follow his steps. You're not, you need to remember that. And in the end, when it's all said and done, you're not going to judge me and I'm not going to judge you. So we need to commit our lives to the Father, love like the Father, because He's the one that's going to judge you. And we can't hold on to offense in these last days. We cannot. If we hold on to offense, we will become deceived. So I give some of y'all these outs. It's just de de declarations. I don't know who's got them. But there we go. Jonathan, will you help me? Take one and pass. But these declarations is just something I would say to try to guard your heart from. And most, a lot of this uh, comes out if you've never read a book, it's a book called The Bait of Satan. It's a very good book, and it's just about offense. Last time I, I, I closed out with us uh, saying some of, the, some of the declarations, and these are just some new ones here. So I would encourage you to read through them every day, especially if you feel like you had a bad day or you're holding on to some kind of offense because the first one, first one starts this. In the last days when many are offended and feel filled with hate, and betrayed, betrayal to others, I refuse to join them. I will commit to life, to living my life in such a way that the agape love of God, which has been poured out in my heart, will radiate in the darkness world of offense. So it's just some prayers that you can declare over your life to try to keep offense from entering in and guarding your heart. Amen? Amen. So like I said, the only thing we can control in these last days being not being deceived and not taking offense that's it and it's running rapid in this world because we are lovers of self we are lovers of self if you would stand with me I think about the, the The, uh, in the upper room the disciples on the day of Pentecost you know if anybody in that room had took 
offense in any way, then that wouldn't have ever happened. Because it says they were in unity, in prayer and supplication. So their thoughts, their mind was on anything, was on, was on God and what he had before, for their life. And that's where the church was birthed. So the church should still be looking like that. We should be able to come together in unity, in prayer, for God to move. Because, like I said in 1 John, it says if we have the love of God in us, then he abides in us. So we all going to bring him in here, in this place. That's, that's the way it is. And then when, when uh, Pentecost happened, it says, And there Peter stood up with the others. A lot of times we skip over that part and we we'll say Peter stood up and cre- preached a great message and 3,000 souls were saved. No, Peter just didn't stand up. The, 12, the other 11 stood up along with him. They were unified. They didn't take offense to who was preaching. You didn't see, hear one of them say, Hey, Peter, you just need to sit down and be quiet. Let me say something. No, they flowed in the gifts of the Spirit. They let God work through their lives. And how could he do that? It was because offense was not in their presence. Amen? And that's the way we have to be as the church. Don't matter how much somebody does something to you. If I come up to you and, and slap you across your face, you got to forgive me. Yeah, see? If you come up and slap me across my face, guess what I've got to do? i got to forgive you. And that forgiveness is not for you. It's for me. It's for me. Even though if I've been done wrong, the Bible says you go to them and you ask for forgiveness. We have to live under that order. Jesus did not lay these things out for us for us not to live by them and apply them to our lives. That's the reason we have the word of God, to live by it. So, Lord, I thank you for this night, Lord, and I know that we are living in the last days, Father. I know it's been said for centuries, Lord God, but I really believe, Lord, God, that we are there on the brink of you telling your son to come get his bride. So, Lord, and in this season, God, that we are living in, God, do not let us be deceived. God, let us stay in the word of God and filtrate the word of God through love. Your eyes, how you see it, the actions, God, we should take and the things we should do so that we will not be caught up in offense, Lord, because you warned us about it, Lord, and and you've given us this word, Jesus. You spoke these words are in red right here, Lord, that we don't need to be deceived and we do not need to take offense because offense leads to betrayal and betrayal leads to hatred, Lord, and that leads to lawlessness, God, and that leads for your love, God, waxing cold in our lives. Lord, and you said in Revelations, Lord, that you will not have a lukewarm church, God, so we cannot be offended because offended leads to lukewarmness, God, and then it leads, Lord, Jesus ultimately God to us being absolutely cold so tonight God help us to guard our hearts towards offense no matter how it comes no matter what it looks like God and have the agape love God the unconditional love God to love everybody to pray for everybody Lord Jesus God and to, and to just show your love to everybody in this world as a church as your body as your bride God and we'll give you all the praise and all the glory and everybody said